could set the Chicago Bears back 100 years. There's no way they could lose this game. No, no way. Well, Chris Collinsworth might be correct. That game could set the Chicago Bears back 100 years. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, the first recap of the year. Week 1 is in the books. I am Will Brinson, your host. Thank you for joining us. As always, joining me, we're going to do this recap every night on Sunday, so you'll be able to get a podcast fresh in your inbox first thing in the morning, maybe first thing at night. It'll probably be up uh, for, for people in England by 1 a.m. East Coast time, let's let's say roughly thereabouts, uh, depending on how long we talk and what time the games finish and how long it takes Ryan Wilson to write his Sunday night takeaways. Ryan, what's up? Happy to be here, Brinson, for one of uh, at least 17 more of these, I would imagine. So, yeah, glad to be back. I expect an equal amount of enthusiasm from John Breach. Hey, I'm big in England, so I'm thrilled to hear that you're getting this thing up for those guys early enough. I'm going to get probably a lot of tweets. I'm going to come visit you Englanders. But, yeah, good good on you, Brinson. Get this thing up early. Uh, all right, so first things first, and we're going to call our buddy Sean Wagner McGuff who's a Bears fan because he just got his heart ripped out Temple of Doom style by Aaron Rodgers in, in, in an outcome that, frankly, is just – it's just it's – not, it's not stunning because it was sort of obvious it was happening. But the Bears beat – the Bears lose to the Packers 24-23 despite holding at one point a 20 to nothing lead over the Packers in Lambeau Field. We were spending – Midway the, through the third quarter. Midway through the third quarter. We are spending the entire time during that game – giggling about how stupid John Gruden is for trading Khalil Mack. Mack had a pick six uh, of Deshaun Kaiser. Thinking about the Packers missing the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers hurt his knee again. Lett was carted off, returned in the third quarter. Um, You know, talking about the fact that the Bears look like a playoff team. And now, after all of that, it feels breach like it was all wasted breath. Like most breath is wasted on on yelling about first-half stuff because – Aaron Rodgers destroyed the Packers, eviscerated them, and it sets up a scenario where the Packers look like they could beat anybody if Rodgers is healthy, and the Bears are still third in line at best in the NFC North. Well, I think my favorite part of this game was the ongoing meltdown that Bears fans were having, (laughs) and this thing started at the beginning of the second half. Like As soon as Rodgers came off the sideline, it was like, Dun, dun, dun. You know, like they knew they're like, this is over. We don't even need to watch the rest of this game because, you know, we didn't know Aaron Rodgers was going to play in the second half. He just kind of appeared. He came out of the locker room. Uh, the NBC announcing team is like, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to try and play. And it's like, he didn't come out of the locker room to try and play. He's going to play. And there's a 90% chance they're going to win. So, it, you know, I don't know how you recover from that type of game. I mean, that is a heart-wrenching loss, especially when you're a young team like the Bears. You're up and coming. You are a huge underdog on the road. You haven't won in Lambeau in a few years. And uh, you win that game. Who knows what you do? Maybe you start 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. But now, after that loss, I don't know where the Bears are. They've got to play the Seahawks in prime time next week. The Seahawks might be bad this season, but always good in prime time. So, you know, obviously the Packers are the Packers, still a Super Bowl contender, but I don't know where this leaves the Bears. 0-16? Dude, the Bears had their next four games are home against the Seahawks on Monday night. Then they got the Cardinals on the road the following week. Then the Buccaneers at home. And then a week five bye. If they win that game, 
they, they come out of the bye at the Dolphins, and then they get the Patriots at home. They might have been hosting the Patriots in Week Seven, sitting at six and zero. Oh. I mean, or sitting at five and zero. Oh, excuse me. And now, Ryan, it feels like if best case scenario, just squeak out a win at home against the banged up Seahawks, right? No, I, I'm actually not ready to jump off the Sears Tower just yet. <laughs> uh, I, I think a couple things. Number one, let me mention this. You mentioned Khalil Mack. Uh, since 2000, only three players have recorded a sack, an interception, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a defensive touchdown in a game. You want to take a guess at who those who those players are? Uh, Lawrence Taylor and Khalil Mack. Since 2000, Lawrence Taylor was in the league. Uh, Khalil Mack's the only one then. Khalil Mack did it twice. <laughs> other, other than that, Charles Woodson and Brian Urlacher. And he did all that in the first half because the, the Packers made an adjustment in the second half. They went to no huddle. Uh, partly because Khalil Mack was destroying them, but also because Aaron Rodgers had a, a half a leg to, to work with. Here's how this uh, second half, after the Packers kicked the field goal to go up 20 nothing. here's how the series went for the Packers. Uh, field goal, touchdown, 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 game over. And the Bears had no answer for that no-huddle offense. And I feel like it's demoralizing to lose a 20-point lead, but you're losing it to Aaron Rodgers, who didn't look like he was hurt at all, by the way, even though he... Either he was milking it or he, he's banged up and he's just I had, good. I had somebody DM me. It was like, this is typical manufactured NFL drama. It's like, what are you talking about, clown Yeah, shit? it's like Big Ben pretending he's hurt, but he throws five interceptions instead of doing the comeback. Right. But here's the thing. if if In the first half, Matt Nagy, the first-year coach, Kansas City guy, Andy Reid coaching tree, went forward on fourth down in the middle of the field, didn't get it. And I was okay with that. It was worth going for. It wasn't a big deal. They had the momentum. Towards the end of the game, their next-to-last drive, the Bears' next-to-last drive, Third and two from the Packers, 14, mm-hmm. pass play, and that stupid decision to kick the ball to go up by six points, which, as you pointed out, you're just saying, please let me lose by one point to Aaron, to Aaron Rodgers, and that's what ha- what happened. Why not go for it twice? You carry the, ball, carry the ball twice for two yards. You have Trubisky. You have Jordan Howard. You have Tariq Cohen. You can probably find a way to get two yards. You do that, milk the clock, and you win that game. And I wish Nagy hadn't turtled up at that point. Especially after he sort of went for it in the middle of the in the, in the first half and it was unsuccessful. That's the whole difference between him and John Fox. That's why you hire someone like Nagy and you fire someone like Fox who kicks it every time and he loses just about every other time. Yeah, and I think too, like if you're gonna go, if you're gonna kick the field goal on third down or on fourth down, you better run on third down and keep that clock moving. Like there's no point in being aggressive and passing the ball on third down and then coming out and being a little um, softy and, and and kicking. On fourth down. All right. For more of potentially what of thoughts on uh, on old Matt Nagy and and exactly what happened to the Bears, we are now going to add to this conversation our good friend Sean Wagner McGuff live from Oakland. Oh my God, he's look at him. He I've never seen you so emo in my entire life, Sean. How are you holding up? Um, and how would you rank this in terms of? Uh, on a one to on a one to ten scale, where do you rank this in terms of worst Bears loss ever for you? I just I have to say before we start, you are just like downright giddy right now. <laughs> like you are, I've never seen you this happy before. Steelers, Steelers tied the Browns and the Bears got heart ripped. <laughs> I'm a horrible person. This um. I mean, this is this is like the third worst loss I think that the Bears have had to the Packers. Ever? Um, That's an I upside. Mean, 
I mean, it's well, I mean, it's kind of sad that it's like one of the biggest, like the Packers' biggest comeback, and I don't know how long or whatever. Like, I, Bill Barnwell tweeted some stat about teams that are leading seventeen nothing at halftime, and like how many teams have lost. It's like twenty six teams have lost in the history of the NFL up seventeen nothing at halftime. Um, but it only ranks third, and that's like really sad that there are like two worse losses um, than tonight, which is the NFC Championship game where Cutler has the MCL tear, and then there's the um, there's the week 17 Cobb fourth down uh, bomb. What are you you're making motions? I was asking Ryan if he wanted Ryan or John if they wanted to dive in and ask you any questions about this. Um, I, I well, let me ask you this real quick. What does he think about uh, my contention that Nagy turtled up at the end there? Yeah, I mean, I think like the game boils down. Like, I don't think the Bears defense lost that game because I think they were just gassed the entire second half. And I think the problem was it came down to the Bears final drive before the the Cobb touchdown which was you have a third and one at like the 15 with like 245 left and the Packers are out of timeouts and what you do is on third and one you run the ball and if you don't get it the clock goes down to the two minute warning and then you have a decision to make where it's probably fourth and one and I would go for it because I think if you don't get it um, you're going to make Aaron Rodgers have to go 90 yards. Whereas if you kick the field goal, which is what happened, then he only has to go 75 yards. And I also think like Mike McCarthy's on that other sideline. I think this sounds counterintuitive, but I would have preferred the Bears' chances if they were only winning by three when Rodgers has the ball. Because I think once you get to <laughs> Ryan's holding a picture of Jay Cutler, a good camera. I think that like if the Packers are down three, I think there's a better chance like if they get down there, they settle for a field goal. Oh, that's down a good territory. point. Yeah, no, I just I, like being up. It's just the, the reason the loss sucks is because everyone knew this was going to happen. As soon as he lines up for the field goal, everyone but Matt Nagy knew this was going to happen because we've seen this a million times before. Yep. Jay Cutler knows it. I know it. Everyone on Twitter knows it. What, and and what? it's just like, I feel like I'm stuck in like Andy Reid coaching <laughs> hell because like his first drive was so great, which is like Andy Reid, like off the bye. Like he, he had that series prep. The second series was great. And then he just completely crapped the bed. He did. And Trubisky was awful for the record. Like he was atrocious and like No, he, he was not. Dude. His eye level dropped so fast in that second half. He was like looking to run on every drop back. Sean, you weren't you weren't a tank top. Let's calm down, take a few steps back, okay? He did not play that terribly. Sean, at what point in that game did you know that the Bears were losing? Was it when Rodgers came back out in the third quarter? Was it when the coin toss? Oh, no, I think it was the three and out before when the pack with the Bears were up 10. So they had just scored, I think, the big touchdown to cut it to 10. And the Bears just came out. And I think, again, on third and one, they threw the ball. They threw that little play action and they tried to throw it back across the formation to Deion Sims, who somehow on third and one ran a route short of the sticks. On third and one, he ran a route short. Of the line to you game. should run that ball, though. That's just too much going well, I agree, on. I agree. So it's like the third one stuff. And I think as soon as they went three and out, you just knew the Bears defense was gassed. And so you knew they were going to score again. And at that point, it, at that point, I was like, I've seen this before way too many times in my life. And that was when I started mentally preparing. Um, that's I mean, I think that's when I knew. I like and, this team. I'll be honest with you. Like, I feel like they could win seven or eight games. That, I'm not even oh, joking. That makes me feel a lot better right now. <laughs> Breach. Uh, uh, Sean, my only question is, have you ever thought about pulling uh, Danica Patrick and just dropping your Bears fandom altogether and jumping on the Packers bandwagon? I feel like I would have to like date someone on the Packers or like related to the Packers for me to warrant well, doing that. 
Well, you could date like a Packers fan, maybe. Well, I mean, you're wearing a Cal tank top right now. I bet Aaron Rodgers owns a few Cal tank tops. I have that in common. Aaron Rodgers is like, like I, I have nightmares about his heart count. Like, hey, hey man, it was I triggering. At like the first snap of the game, him doing that heart count is like triggering, triggering to me. Um, no, I mean, just I, like I'm numb. That's what it is. It's like I should be madder than I am, and it's just numb because everyone knew what was going to happen. It's just bad coaching, and like it annoys me because the Bears can get better, Trubisky can play better. Nagy can be a better play caller and all that, but like I just think that's probably his mentality. He's going to kick that field goal nine times out of ten. It's literally, I, it's literally what Andy Reid would do. Like that's the problem. I, I want a coach who's going to say we're going to get a yard and win the game, and if we don't, we're going to make him drive ninety yards downfield. Yeah, make smart decisions. All right, um, would you like to hang out for a little bit, Sean, and talk about some other football games? We'd love to have you stay. Wow. Is- Sean venting is definitely a fun thing. I know. I like Can we angry. get him to put a shirt on first? No, I like I like shirtless angry Sean. Uh, <laughs> let's not cut. I'll, let's I'll not- say, let me just say one more thing. Sure. Yeah, uh, I think there are a lot of positives, as Ryan said, to take out of this. Like you had that Quill Mac half, and I think the problem in the second half, I think he was just gassed, and like he had been with the Bears for a week. So I think there's there's definitely positives. They didn't really play Rook on Smith Smith that much, but I yeah. think when he was in the game. He was an instant upgrade over the other inside linebacker they have, whose name I can't pronounce. He's just really slow, and, and he was and just so much faster. Oh, the other guy. Kukowski yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's abysmal. And they, When Rodgers came back at the beginning of the second half, they were just picking on him and picking on him. And honestly, like it's hard to be mad about the loss because the Bears got a free quarter without Aaron Rodgers, at which point they got gifted a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like they're only in that position because Rodgers wasn't there for a quarter and they still going to hang on. Like the Packers are a better team. The bears were never going to win this game. Like on paper, um, it sucks just the way they lost it because it was so preventable had they had a brain, um, and had some balls. Well, I- Do you think maybe <laughs> next time the bears should ask the Packers to only have Aaron Rodgers play two quarters? <laughs> would that be the, fair i think the problem part, is if they say that they're gonna go up by 40 at halftime and just pull them i've seen that before i think part of the problem too for the bears is like everybody came in thinking all right let's just see the bears look pretty good keep it kind of close if they do that we're gonna be very excited because certainly in two years and maybe throughout the season they'll be fun and then like at halftime you're like the bears are going to the super bowl and, and then the, and then they weren't um then, um yeah. Sorry, one more thing. Two really quick things that I think like plays that will kind of get lost in the shuffle. Um, the Jordan Howard stepping out of bounds play, I mm. think, is huge because I think if before that third and one, it's before the two minute warning. I think Matt Nagy runs the ball 100 percent of the time because he knows it's going to get taken down to like a minute 20. Um, and then the second play is on the Bears second series. Um, Trubisky, before they kicked the field goal, missed Allen Robertson in the end zone for an easy touchdown. And I, he really wasn't quite the same after that. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's related at all, but like he was off from that point on and that was an easy touchdown. I think if you go up 14, nothing there as opposed to 10, I think that's a big swing. But you could say that about every team in every game. If, if Matt Nagy runs the ball twice at the end of the game there, we're having a different conversation. None of that stuff matters. I think he just got Andy Reid syndrome at the worst possible time. I mean, it's, it's two straight games. Like the last Matt Nagy game we have is the chiefs blowing the playoff loss, the Tennessee where they crapped the bed in the second half. So like, this is two straight times. Like I'm just saying, I think this is just going to be Matt Nagy. He's going to have a lot of good. But like, are you the guy who three hours ago was all over Matt Nagy? Yeah, because him to death? because he schemed up the first script of the first 15 plays, and they were amazing. I was like, this is modern football. Why did he uh, script? Why did he script the second half? 
What's your script a second? I haven't I put it. I don't, stash the second half. Teams do. I don't uh, know why NFL. I'm not an NFL coach. I don't know why they don't script the second half plays. Um, all right. Well, let's stick on the theme of blasting the teams of. Wait, people. wait. Hold on. Let me. Because Sean mentioned these plays that were the most costliest in the game. So I, I we would be remiss if we would did not mention oh, no, Kyle Fuller's dropped interception. Oh, yeah. On the final, I mean, that was a gift. It's game over. The the ball was in his hands. Aaron Rodgers. He was, he's walking. Prevent. He's walking to the end zone. It's. I mean, it's pick six. It's over. Easy pick six. I mean, Aaron Rodgers couldn't have put that more in his belly if he would have handed the ball off to him. I don't have any idea how you drop that. No idea. Like. I, I and, think a baby could have caught that. It, no, I'm with you. And the thing that really annoys me is everyone's like, oh, like this iconic Rodgers game. And I get it. He was great. He came back from this like knee injury. I get it. It's a great game. But like two plays before he throws the big touchdown, he should have been pick six. And then like everyone's like, what a touchdown to Cobb. He threw the ball eight yards and Randall Cobb made everyone miss. Like let's settle. Like he had a great game. But like everyone's like, oh, he threw a 75 yard touchdown to Randall Cobb. He threw an eight yard dart. It was a great pass, and then Randall Cobb just ran around a tired Bears defense. You know, you know, you know how the um, you know how the Bills guys looked like idiots with John Ross the other day in that preseason game. That's what the Bears looked like trying to tackle, uh, trying to tackle. Uh, well, uh, it was Cobb like there. Leonard Floyd, a pass rusher at like the five yard line. I was like, what is Leonard Floyd doing down there, anyways? He's hustling, Sean. Hey, John, do you know how many interceptions Kyle Fuller had last year? Um. <laughs> This is horrible. Oh, so just for those of people who are listening, John Breach and Ryan Wilson keep bringing up plays and pictures of like Jay Cutler and like and like like the <laughs> dropped interception by Kyle oh, Fuller there it is. and showing so it to Kyle, Kyle. He's right. showing us the Kyle Fuller dropped interception. All right, all right, we got to move on. We almost got like twenty minutes on this freaking Bears all game. Right, and quickly, that's fine. Kyle Fuller had two <laughs> interceptions last year, twenty seventeen. He dropped six. Wow. Well, that's why he's a good player. He's he's definitely overpaid Clearly, for what he hands. gets what he gets paid, but that's just a cost. I mean, oh. the Packers wanted to get him. One more like thing. One more. One more yeah, thing. So Sean. he could be a receiver for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Ouch. One more thing, Sean. Um, are you willing to admit that the Cleo Mack trade was a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> I will say we will always have that first half, and that was an incredible first half. I, I hope the Raiders get shut out so Khalil Mack outscores them, and they score like three, like two field goals, <laughs> something like that. Uh, okay, so moving along to another team. Loved and beloved by a member like a person on this podcast right now. The Pittsburgh Steelers go into the Cleveland Browns and they tie. Ryan, how do you feel about kissing your sister? Uh here's the thing. <laughs> the Steelers should have lost that game without question. Yeah. The look on Hugh Jackson's face when uh who's their kicker? <laughs> who's the Browns kicker, John? Zane Gonzalez. When Zane Gonzalez Donkey punched that ball so far. Le- it almost was a throw in. It was so far left. Uh, it went out on the sidelines. I don't know how that happens. Um, Batonia missed a block. TJ Watt may got, got his finger on the ball or whatever, but that can't happen because it was uh Schobert who had two turnover recoveries, ran the ball down to the 10 yard line or so. There's of course a penalty. There were like 40 penalties in that game and they should have won it. The weather was terrible, but there's no excuse. Uh, the previous play, Chris Boswell honked a 43 yarder, but as, as John pointed out, it was a high snap and tough conditions, but he has to make that too. He's the second highest paid kicker, John. Is that right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Something but, like that. um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to lose to the Browns and tying to the Browns. It's almost worse, but, uh, I think Sean tweeted this out earlier uh, on Sunday night. Uh, the O O and one start is the best start by the Browns since 2004. Someone had a screenshot of like the ticker on NFL network. Yeah. It was like Browns parentheses. Oh, Oh, one. 
best start since like 2004 or whatever. It was like amazing. How have they not won an opener since 2004? That's it's <laughs> just incredible. I mean, John, I'll, we can go around the horn here. Uh, start with you. Who do you blame for the law for the tie? Like, whose fault is this tie? It could be the Steelers' fault. Anybody on the Steelers? Joel Paterno's fault. Hugh Jackson. Who you got? I'm going to blame one person on each team. Let's start with the obvious one, Ben Roethlisberger. So this is where Sean and I have a kinship. He has to deal with this hatred of Aaron Rodgers, who went to Cal, plays for his team. Ben Roethlisberger went to Miami of Ohio. That's where I went, plays for that team. Uh, I mean, that was as ugly as a uh, game as Ben has played. Ben has played some ugly games. Ryan will probably attest to that. Since the 2006 motorcycle accident. That was, that was one of those games. Absolutely. You know, we have Roethlisberger spent the past two years thinking about retirement, and that's kind of what it felt like today, where he was like, I would rather be retired than playing in this freaking monsoon in Cleveland. Uh, you know, he was just throwing balls up. A couple of his interceptions were just atrocious. I mean, I think Sean could have completed or at least not thrown an interception. Uh, he threw well, he threw a Hail Mary to no one. It, which would have been fine at like the end of the first half. It was the final play of a half or something, but no, it's like the yeah. middle of, yeah, it's just it didn't make message, John. Send any message. sense. All right. So Roethlisberger, obviously. And then number two is Hugh Jackson. Okay. And this was just, I could go through every play, but then this podcast would be eight hours long. If I dissected how many mistakes Hugh Jackson made. So I'm just going to stick to one and it is the field goal in overtime. The Browns get the ball with whatever, 25 seconds left at the 26 yard line. If I'm Hugh Jackson, my first and only thought is, Hey, the Steelers kicker is the second highest paid in the league. And he just missed a 43 yarder because we're playing in a hurricane. Uh, maybe I need to get a few more yards. So my kicker isn't also kicking a 43 yarder in a hurricane. No. What does Hugh Jackson do? Run up the middle. They lose a yard. They don't even gain a yard. They lose a yard. Then they spike it. Then it's third down and they kick the field goal on third down, which I understand because if you, Watch the snap. You throw out of bounds. You can kick again on fourth down. But the fact that you forced your kicker to try from 43, it was just bad coaching. I, I agree. I, no, I agree completely. And the, the other thing about it, too, I get that you, you kick it on third down. But the problem is with 13 seconds left, if you have a bad snap, you're not going to have time to recover the ball get up there, line up, spike it, because you're out of timeouts at that point. Spike it, stop the clock, and then kick again. So what they should have well, done is they should have run it down to – Five seconds, spike it, and then kick and make sure that Pittsburgh doesn't get another shot. And the, the, the really thing that really pisses me off about what Hugh Jackson did and why we should be hashtag fire Hugh is that with, uh, I believe it was 23 seconds left in the fourth quarter, the Browns had the ball on Pittsburgh's side of the field, the 43. And instead of trying to get 10 yards, it wasn't raining bad at that point. Instead of trying to get 10 yards and kick a field goal, a long field goal, like a 49-yard field goal to win the game in regulation, they take a dial-up, a deep shot to, to Josh Gordon down the sideline. It ends up being underthrown by Tyrod Taylor. It's an interception, and the Steelers take it to overtime. The Browns should have, could have won that game. Their defense played great. Uh, their offense was okay. Um, but I, I, I definitely agree, and I blame Hugh Jackson. Who are you blaming, Ryan? Uh, I'm not going to bl blame James Conner. He got you 45 points or something in fantasy yeah, today. I yeah, think. yeah, huge. He ran for 130-something yards. but you blame Le'Veon for mocking the Steelers after the game? <laughs> that's right. Very disrespectful. He doesn't doesn't uh, shouldn't be wearing black and yellow. But the, the <laughs> here's the thing about James Conner. He played fantastically. He caught the ball well on the backfield. He ran the ball well. But that one fumble is what came back mm. to get the snowball rolling. Because after the fumble, then Roethlisberger said, forget it, I'm not playing anymore, just started handing the ball off to the, to the Browns. 
But here's the thing. Like uh, back in 2015, when Le'Veon Bell only played six games, and our, our buddy Mike Renner at Pro Football Focus tweeted this out last week, the Steelers averaged 32 points a game without Le'Veon. Um, they seem to be moving the ball no problem offensively. And then uh, our buddy James Conner had that fumble. Back in 2015, the playoffs without Le'Veon, Fitz, uh, Fitz uh, Toussaint was the running back. He fumbled in that playoff game against the Broncos, that game they should have won to take them to the Super Bowl. So you can talk about Le'Veon not being there, but he does not fumble, and they win that game in Denver. They probably win uh, in Cleveland without the fumble, even if he runs for something less than 130 yards. So the takeaway is that, you know, as for as angry as you would like to be for Levy and not being there with the Steelers, he's got a point in that he's the reason you you lost that game, the reason you lost the game in 2015, even though you're able to score points. So James Conner had a fantastic game, but um, he can't carry the ball 30 times every week, and I think he got a little tired towards the end. And as John mentioned, the conditions and, and whatever. But uh, ultimately, Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger's to blame, and Hugh Jackson's to blame. And, and I will say this, one last thing. Tyrod Taylor's not going to make it to week three. He took a whooping <laughs> on Sunday. I mean, he he was inviting people to knock the crap out of him, and they did. And he also didn't play great. Uh, yes, the weather was terrible, but if he doesn't play better, I think we're going to see Baker Mayfield sooner rather than later because he was on the clock. Sean, do you want to blame anybody in this game, or you want to talk about the Vikings and 49ers? Uh, I mean, I blame Hugh. Like that, yeah. just they, the fact that they lose a yard on that final drive to kick a field goal is just horrendous. Uh, and also, you mentioned the final throw at the Tyrod's pick. I think you got to blame Tyrod. It's like weird that this guy is known to a fault of like not throwing downfield and not wanting to throw picks, and he has like one of the lowest interception rates. And then he decides then to like heave it up downfield to a guy who's not open and severely underthrow it like that. Yeah. Like I think I think Tyrod's not blameless, and I agree with Ryan. Like Baker's starting before like week five or six. I yeah, think no, so. I, th- I think that's right. By the way, thirty-one carries for James Conner, one hundred thirty-five yards. He also had five catches for fifty-seven yards. That's why Le'Veon Bell stayed away, because those 31 carries were going to be his 31 carries, and he's going to be piling up a bunch of wear and tear on his body. Moving along to the— Wait, I got one hypothetical. I throw this in. Let's say Tyrod is unbeaten after four weeks, but they're (laughs) (laughs) 0-0-4. Does he keep his job? Would that be the Browns' best start in franchise history? <laughs> like, <I don't> know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, so moving along to the 49ers and Vikings game. Sean, I know you watched this uh, closely. I think you were you live blogging this? What was? The... I was. Wow. Live blogging takeaways, baby. Live blogging takeaways with the Cousins Garoppolo uh, showdown. I, I read I read your piece. It was a good job. I linked it up and sorted the Sunday pile. Um, and I agree with you. Don't boo me, Ryan. F you, buddy. Um, I, uh, I, I agree with you that Jimmy Garoppolo I thought was pretty good considering the circumstances on the road, tough defense, Marquise Goodwin knocked out um, and it really getting a lot of pressure in his face without a ton of running game there. Right. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that's concerning is that like he can make these incredible plays. Like his touchdown pass was incredible, like spinning, uh, avoiding pressure, throwing off balance, but like he kind of forced it a bunch and like, it kind of seemed like a guy who knows he can make those plays mm. um, and then trying to do too much. And I think that like I was, reading during the game about last season how he had five interceptions I think in his five games and he also had like four interceptable passes dropped according to football outsiders and like his interception rate if you count in dropped interceptions was like among the the worst in the league and I think it was a little bit concerning that maybe he was a little bit lucky at the end of last season as a lot of people have said and like this was kind of him coming back to earth and I'm kind of glad it happened because like I thought he was a little bit overhyped coming into the year, along with Deshaun Watson. Like, I thought both those guys were probably going to regress a bit. 
Um, and that's exactly what happened. Like it just, he was just so uneven. He was either spectacular today or he was awful. And like on the other side, you had Kirk Cousins who like didn't do that many great things, but like he didn't make any mistakes. He made a couple good throws on his touchdowns and that's it. But like when you have, I guess the thing is when you have a team like the Vikings, you can be that guy. You don't have to force it. And Garoppolo is just playing with a much worse team against a better team. And like he probably feels like he has to force it. I, I think too the nice thing for the Vikings is that that defense is so good that it, it's going to give them time to figure things out on offense with the offensive line and, and the passing game and all of that. And Dalvin Cook looked pretty good. He fumbled once. That was kind of ugly. But other than that, looked all right. Uh, Ryan, if you had to use one word to describe the return of Andrew Luck to the field, what would that word be? Two words, Chad Pennington-tastic. Oh just sort of hinted God. at during the preseason because we didn't really see him throw the ball. Um down the field, and I didn't see the arm strength there. I know John watched the game closer than I did, but I, I will say this, and for all the yip-yapping from the NFL about safety precautions and keeping guy head injuries being an issue, when um, you get atomic elbowed in the face, you got to come out of the game. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, Andrew Luck was concussed on that hit he took, which was, I'm not convinced that that um, the Bengals player should have been thrown out because what? it's the game. The game just moved so incredibly fast. No way! Hit. Clay Matthews should have been thrown out on Sunday night too. By the way, you Clay Matthews should have been thrown out for that neck no, hit on Trubisky. Yeah, no, Matt should have been thrown out for being an idiot. So, as well. j- j- by the way, my, my issue is this: what, illegal or not, dirty or not, Andrew Luck has to come out of the game and get and get tested by the neuro- neurosurgeon sitting on the sidelines because there's no doubt in my mind that his brains got scrambled in that play. And he seemed fine afterwards and all that, but I, I mean, we don't know anything about, about brain injuries. So I, that's if you're concerned at all about head injuries, this is, seems like something you would you'd want to address in the moment, as opposed to waiting in, in, until he you know he can't form a sentence. Uh, that said, he looked okay. He's still rusty. Uh, the Colts still lost. It's not clear they should have. Um, the Bengals got some breaks, and, and uh, <laughs> now they lead the division with the last place Steelers and Browns looking up at them and the Ravens. Right, so. Worth note, worth noting that the Colts actually had a concussion thing last year where Jacoby Brissett mm. took a big hit, came out, and they let him back in. They played the entire game, and then after the game, they announced then he had concussion symptoms. Um, yeah. I remember there was um, some doctor on Twitter who like runs a like concussion group or something was like tweeting out about how like he was like demonstrating all the clear signs of a concussion. Um, and then after the game, they announced it. But John, are you comfortable with the idea that the Colts, because their running game sucks and because their uh, defense sucks and because um, they're just not very good, that Andrew Luck is going to have to throw the ball 53 times? And what word would you use to describe Andrew Luck's return? Uh, I, my one word would be shocked at how dumb the Colts are, not at – so, Brinson, you wrote this piece uh, like eight months ago about how the Colts have botched everything involved with the whole Andrew Luck injury situation, right? Yeah. So, if you have a quarterback who has missed a year, over a year because of a shoulder injury, are you going to come out in the first game of the season and ask him to throw 53 <laughs> passes? Like, are you trying to get re-injure his shoulder? I mean, we saw Andrew Luck during the preseason – And they were keeping him on a pitch count. They wouldn't let him throw downfield. They were doing all these things to make sure he didn't re-injure it. Boom. They were trying to make him throw until his arm fell off. Every time he dropped back to pass in the second half, I was like, did they really cause this really happening? It's not like uh, they were playing come from behind. It's like they were getting blown out. This was a close game. You can keep your running game going. But no, they're like, Andrew, we're just going to keep throwing the ball. We don't even care about your shoulder. We got Jacoby in here, man. So that shocked me that they kept doing that. But real quick, I have to touch on Wilson saying, 
the Bengals got some breaks. Get out of here, Wilson. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, by the way, there was well, there was one uh, that uh, Carlos Dunlap, go. Carlos Dunlap, got called for roughing the passer after forcing a fumble on luck that the Bengals returned to the Colts three yard line. The whole play got called back. This is on a turnover. This isn't like he sacked them and brought them down. So that play was kind of ridiculous. That would have been almost certainly a touchdown for the Bengals. Uh, and then obviously the Bengals defense scored an actual touchdown in the fourth quarter. So I, the Bengals defense really dominate this game i thought they were the better team um worth noting i would use the word propositional to describe andrew luck's return because he had 319 passing yards i of course have a wager on him to lead the league in passing yards and that doesn't look terrible he's not in first place by any stretch but he's sixth right now first place by the way just two eye-popping stats that, that stood out to me uh and, and of course the Bengals won this game uh it, the final score was 34 to 23 which is very is not very indicative of of that game because the colts we're basically winning the whole time. It looked like they were easily going to win. And then all of a sudden, they just lost by 11 points. That's how terrible the Colts are. Um, you know what's not terrible, though? You can watch the Colts, and you can do it quickly with NFL Game Pass. NFL Game Pass, NFL.com backslash pick six. We're going to get you a free seven-day trial of the only way to watch every single NFL game after it's happened, you can watch some like you can watch some games during the Sunday night football game. You can watch replays, condensed, full versions, full broadcast, and then on Tuesday, I believe Tuesday night, maybe even Tuesday morning, they drop the all twenty-two. So if you want to watch every glorious zoomed-out second of the Browns and Steelers overtime tie, you can do that, and you can see you can you can zoom out and watch and see how far Greg Williams is setting up his safeties from the line of scrimmage. Um, you can go back and see whether. Andrew Luck is properly diagnosing defenses in the Colts' loss to the Bengals. And you can watch Joe Flacco slice and dice the Bills' defense for 43 points. You can do that all. 47 points, excuse me. You can do that all on NFL Game Pass. It is a must-have if you're a true NFL fan. I could not do my job without it. Go to NFL.com backslash pick six and get yourself a free seven-day trial of NFL Game Pass. Tell them we sent you. So Drew Brees today, he's the league leader in passing yards, completed 82.2% of his passes. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is third in passing yards, averaged 14.9 yards per, per pass attempt. That's bananas. Um, what the hell happened in, uh, in New Orleans, Ryan? Uh, here's the amazing thing. Two years ago, the the Saints defense was one of the worst in the league. Last year, they got their their mess together, and they were like a top three or four unit, and that had a lot to do with why they were so successful in the NFC, uh, two games away from the Super Bowl. Uh, I have no idea. I think Dirk Kuttner was the most surprised person at, at the postgame press conference when he made some joke about Fitzmagic, which is all fun and games until you realize that your quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick for the, for the future. Uh, I think we actually joked about where's Jameis Winston going to end up being traded to. Um, no, I, I don't think anybody saw this coming because the Buccaneers, in my mind, were probably going to be battling for last place in the, in the South. Uh, the Saints, obviously, were going to be battling the other three teams, all of which are, are, are pretty good. And all three teams went to the, to the um, playoffs last year. So uh, Mike Allen, defensive coordinator, who has these sort of art shell million mile stare going on all the time, needs to figure out what's going on defensively. I don't I didn't watch that game closely. I don't know. If Marcus Davenport did anything noteworthy, but the whole reason they got him, was they traded up for him, was to sort of bolster a pass rush that was lacking other than Cam Jordan. 
Uh, Marshawn Lattimore was repeatedly getting burned, but so was everybody else. Uh, Mike Evans, 147 yards. Deshaun Jackson, who went undrafted in our CBS Sports uh, Fantasy Draft, by the way, 146 yards and two touchdowns. He got concussed and had to leave the game. But this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, who joked afterwards that he had to take two kneel downs, which crushed his, his rushing average. <laughs> and what did he rush for? Uh, where is it? 36, 36 yards. 36 yards. Second, second, uh-huh. second behind Peyton Barber was 69. Second behind Peyton Barber. So um, I'm not worried about the Saints. I don't think this is indicative of anything long-term for the Buccaneers. But, you know, week one, sort of no one saw this coming. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, it's great news for the Buccaneers who are now – have three weeks to go without Jameis Winston, and then they have to decide in three weeks that they're going to bench Jameis Winston for for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Seriously, should they should they bench him? Breach if, yes. if Ryan Fitzpatrick goes two and one in the first three weeks, should they bench him against the mighty Bears? If Ryan Fitzpatrick goes two and one, I think you ride the Fitz wagon until it crashes, until you ride that thing off a cliff. There's no way, especially with this brutal schedule they have: the Saints, the Eagles. And then the Steelers. So that means he's going one and one in the next two weeks against the Eagles and Steelers. You keep playing him until he doesn't win you any more games. I don't know what that means with Jameis Winston. If Ryan Fitzpatrick has the Buccaneers at seven and two or something crazy <laughs> like that, half nine games through the season, then I think you take trade offers. You know, like Aaron Rodgers going down uh, Sunday night in the first quarter. In my head, I'm thinking, well, God, if Fitzpatrick leads the Buccaneers to six and two, then maybe the Packers need to trade for Jameis Winston. So I, I do think that you definitely stick with Fitzpatrick if he keeps winning. Sean, who would you rather – like I think this is the best litmus test of what the team should do. Who would you not want to see start – because you hate Jameis. Who would you not want to see starting for the Bucks in week four, Jameis or, or Fitzpatrick? I would hope the Buccaneers are starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like I don't like Jameis Winston, but I would much rather uh, face Fitztragic. Um, I don't think that the Buccaneers can even trade Jameis, if we're being honest, because I think his contract next year is, what, $20 million? Like, I don't like Jameis Winston. Does anyone want to trade for Jameis Winston and have to be on the hook for $20 million next year? Like, but it's, it's guaranteed for injury only, so they could cut him. Yeah. But, you're, but you're, it's going to take something to trade for him. I think that, like, the Bucs have to play Jameis because I don't think, yes, they beat the Saints. They're not going to go to the playoffs. They're not, like, a Super Bowl contender. And I think you have to play him because I think you have to know at some point sooner you're going to have to give him an extension if you want to keep him. And so I think, like, in my opinion, it's a lost year for the Bucs. It always was going to be. I think you They're play They're 1-0. Jesus. Undefeated, man. They're not good. I, hey, I don't you know. know I can't explain for the Bears. They're 0-1. The the Bears, I don't think the Bears are good, but I don't think the Bucks are good. It's a tough conference. Like maybe they go seven to nine or eight and eight. Like I think that's their peak. And I and I just think you have to figure out what you have in Jameis and if you're going to commit twenty five million a year to him because that's what it's going to cost to keep him. The uh, look, Falcons didn't look good. They lost Keanu Neal. Somebody tried to tell me that, that Deion Jones might be out for a while too. Uh, Matt Ryan, his arm is shot. The, the someone. Like, it? Somebody DM'd me. It was like, hey, Deion Jones is hurt. I was like, okay, I don't know if I report that. Are your DMs uh, open? Why are you getting all these I, DMs? I opened my DMs. I, I like it. I, I, I'm kind of cool with it now. Um, I definitely thought it was going to be Tabeek. It was. It's not. Uh, Tabeek, Matt Tabeek, uh, digital editor of the Atlanta Falcons, listener to this podcast, former uh, CBS employee. I uh, hope you're doing well, buddy. Sorry about the 0-1 and the uh, the witchcraft jinx on uh, on the Atlanta Falcons. Um Moving along, but, but look, the Panthers, by the way, the Panthers played uh, the Dallas Cowboys today. This is kind of a quick hitter because it was a boring game. Low scoring. Dak Prescott looked like crap. The Cowboys offense looked like crap. Jerry Jones 
uh, departed without speaking to the media. That's a first in his entire life. Uh, Scott Linehan, the offensive coordinator, snuck away. Um, but the Panthers, for the Panthers, a bunch of big blows. Luke Keekley probably going to be fine, but uh, suffered a knee injury. Greg Olson suffered the same foot injury that kept him out most of the year last season. I would He was a shirt on crutches on the sideline. I would expect he missed a significant time. Daryl Williams was carted off. That's their all-pro right tackle who got banged up with a knee injury and then was rushed back. He could end up missing uh, a lot of time as well. So that's a, a bunch of big blows for the Panthers. That'll They looked all right on offense. I don't know. Did, um, did either of you guys watch the game closely? Yes. I didn't watch it that closely. And I'm wondering, I'm looking at the box score. They, weren't, they, weren't they saying that Chris McCaffrey is going to touch the ball like 30 times a game or something? Yes. And like he has 10 carries for 50 yards. Like why did he only get the ball 10 times? It was because. In a game that they controlled seemingly. And he had six catches. So that's 16 touches. Sean. I'm saying, but, but he was so efficient on the ground. Like what? I don't know. Like what? Like it's it's weird to me that a 16 to eight game um, seems like the game you ride McCaffrey, um, and he had 10 carries. So they of- were up 10 nothing most of the game. They were just like running it into the line with like Arma, like like Anderson, and, and letting Cam run a little bit. And they, it just it was a slow, boring, terrible game, and they just couldn't get the offense going. And the Cowboys defense played a little bit better than people thought. They, I, I mean. McCaffrey fumbled once too in the uh, in the inside the five I think which would have you know would have been a touchdown would have boosted the scores stats and all that um, I, I just they, it was it was just weird it was just like a it was it was hot as hell in North Carolina today text my my brother in law was at the game and he said it was like he texted me a picture of two Cowboys fans with bags of ice literal bags of ice set up on top of their head trying to cool off in the humidity of uh, of North Carolina it was just a slow boring methodical game they were a they were up sixteen nothing, by the way. So they scored and they got two point conversion, made it sixteen eight. They control that game for the most of it. Yeah. I will say this quickly about the Cowboys, and we said this in the off season. They had the, the potential to to follow the blueprint laid out by the Rams and, and the Eagles mm-hmm. in terms of paying their quarter, uh, having their quarterback on the rookie deal, and then paying guys around him to improve it. And they haven't done it. Offensive lines banged up. They have no wide receivers. They have Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, and that's it. And da- and as you mentioned, Dak Prescott didn't play well. Defense is still suspect, and they got to pay Dak Prescott this offseason. So their window is already closed. Uh, Sean, are you excited that Patrick Mahomes is your 2018 NFL MVP? I am. And I am like, I'm jealous of Chiefs fans. Like, I wish Patrick Mahomes played for my team. Like, getting to watch him is like such a joy. He's like the, my prototypical like quarterback. Like, I don't care if he throws 20 interceptions. Like, I want to watch him sling the ball. To Tyreek Hill. With that being said, his stat line is like majorly boosted this week because like he like dropped the ball forward to his players a couple times and like any court like we could actually Breach was joking about like how I could have made the Kyle Fuller pick. Like we actually all could have did what he did. Um I just think it opens up so much um with what Andy Reid can do. And like you wrote about it in your story in the Sunday pile. Um yeah, you like that? Yeah. Um awesome. I just, I like the Chiefs to me are the team that I'm going to watch on Game Pass, I feel like, every single week. Like, they are going to be a must watch, even when they're bad. It's just they have so many weapons. And, like, I think Tyreek Hill, is he going to be, like, he could be the number one fantasy receiver, I think. Like, if you got a league that counts return touchdowns, it is for sure. Would you trade uh, Patrick, would you trade Andy Dalton for Patrick Mahomes breach? That's a tough question for you, I know. Uh, in uh, how much time do I get for this trade? If I have three seconds for this trade, the answer is yes. That's how quickly <laughs> I would pull it off. I'll take Mahomes. In a second. Holmes was awesome today. And you know, the other thing is, like, well, I saw more than this game than I probably thought I was going to watch. 
and the Chargers just no team in the NFL shoots themselves in the foot <laughs> unbelievable. more than the like it, they're shooting themselves in the face now. Like it just it is never ending. And you watch a Chargers game, you just wait for something to go wrong. And I know a lot of fan bases say this about their team, but with the Chargers, it's just no matter who they're playing, no matter what it is, there's just always something. I mean, you give up a ninety-something yard punt return for a touchdown, what? And in the first first series, at the end of the first series, like that is just ugly. And then the only time. They threaten to score in the second half. Philip Rivers throws an interception inside the 30-yard line. They, another missed field goal because apparently no one there knows how to scout kickers. It's just – it's amazing what they, they do. Tyrell Williams dropped a 40-yard touchdown pass where he was like standing uh, in the end zone by himself and it hit his hands and it fell down. Travis Benjamin was wide open down the field. He got hit twice on two long shots. They dropped, dropped like, a, three or four touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, they dropped a bunch. It was bad. I mean, it was it, like – I, I told people on this podcast last week, I was like, look, hammer the over on this game. It, it went over easily. And I was like, ha- the Chiefs plus three and a half is a lock. Andy Reid has now beaten the Chargers nine times in a row. He is nine and oh against the against the freaking Chargers since like 2013. It's obscene. He owns this team. His nickname is Spanos. And uh, and, and look, this they're going to be fun to watch. I think the Chiefs defense is a little bit better they didn't have eric berry back this week i think they could be a little bit better than people think but if they're if they have an over under under 50 for the rest of the season take the over and don't think twice um ryan are you displeased that the refs gave the patriots a free touchdown pass and, and by the way it's 38 28 chiefs beat the chargers are you displeased that the, the refs gave the patriots a free touchdown pass and allowed them to destroy deshaun watson and the texans uh 27 to 20 in new england no, that's not why the Texans lost. Uh, Deshaun Watson said after the game he played with low energy, which I found pretty funny. <laughs> low energy Deshaun. Uh, and I I thought it was a catch. Am I the only person who thought that was a catch? Yeah, it was a catch. I was just oh, okay, yeah. I was, just trolling, it, well, I, trolling, I, I, I was trolling Patriots fans. I've been trolling yeah, today. I, saw, I don't I, know I why. saw the pass in, in, in passing, and I said it looked like a catch, and I moved on to whatever the next game was. And um, I thought it was pretty funny that afterwards uh, Rob Gronkowski couldn't believe that Tom Brady threw him the pass. He said guys were all over me, and, of course, he still made the play. Uh, yeah, it's just the Patriots being the Patriots. That that was one of those games. I love the Texans. I think they're going to win the AFC South. Um, but I didn't expect them to win this game. You're not going into Gillette in Week One and smoking Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and, and that didn't happen. Deshaun Watson did not look great. He looked rusty. He made a lot of terrible decisions. Um, I was actually concerned with the way he was, the recklessness with which he was playing, given that he's coming off that ACL injury. But I, I suppose the uh, the other side of that coin is that he seems comfortable with it, much unlike. Uh, Carson Wentz, who has appeared tentative and, and isn't playing yet. He's a month behind uh, Watson in his rehabilitation. But, uh, yeah, so the Texans have to figure this out. But but I don't think this necessarily means anything. For as sad as Sean was about how the, Bill, the, the Bears played, I feel like this loss for the Texans ultimately doesn't mean anything. They play in a terrible division. We talked about the Colts being terrible. The Titans are terrible. Marcus Mariota is injured again. And then it comes down to the Jaguars, who – they look like the Jaguars today, so we'll see. I, it's not a great start for the Texans, but it doesn't mean anything. Who 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 are you eyeing in the uh, in the AFC South breach? I mean, like the Titans are banged up. Marcus Mariota hurt. Delaney Walker hurt. Uh, I know Sean wrote about all of that. Um, the Jaguars lost Leonard Fournette with a hamstring injury. They sounds like Doug, Doug Marone said he sounds like he thinks he'll be able to go next week. They won twenty to fifteen in New York. The concern for me, I don't know about you, is, but is the Texans' offensive line. Yeah, definitely. And I hate that I agree with Wilson on liking the Texans over the Jaguars. The Jaguars. The Jaguars. The Jaguars. Oh, God. Um, but here's the thing is if you watch the Texans Patriots game today, the Texans were 
totally below average. They played C minus football at best, and they still almost lost. They still only lost by a touchdown. They still were in this game the entire time, and they still could have won. So, you know, and, and like Ryan said, Deshaun Watson looked timid. He admitted he played bad. And that's probably because Bill O'Brien only played him for five snaps during the preseason. I think it was a little bit more than that, but really, I think Deshaun only played one series in two preseason games, and like. Your dude hasn't played in eight months because he's coming off an ACL injury. You got to give him a little bit more preseason playing time. To that I mean, Deshaun Watson looked like a guy who wasn't comfortable running this offense quite yet, and that's all on Bill O'Brien. But I do think, like you guys just said, the AFC South is trash, and uh, the Texans still have 15 games, which is way more than enough time to win it. I'll tell you what I'd be a little worried about if I'm a Saquon Barkley fantasy owner is um... – yeah, I mean, look, I've got him a couple of leagues, too. So he finished the day with, and this is the 2015 loss to the Jaguars. He finished the game uh, 18, uh, 18 carries, 106 yards with a touchdown, and he also caught two passes for 22 yards. But if you take away that touchdown, and I realize that's not how the world works, 60, if you take away that 68-yard touchdown, he had 38 yards on 17 carries. And that says a lot about the Jag- Jaguars defense and the way they were able to bottle them up. But I think it also says a lot about the Giants, Sean, and how they're going to have trouble getting in these game scripts that are friendly to what they want to do with Saquon Barkley. Yeah, but the counterpoint is he's probably going to do crap like he did on that touchdown run. Like, I think that's yeah. what's going to happen. I think you're going to see him pounded into the line. Like, they don't have good run blocking. That offensive line's horrible. It's bad. Um, Eric I think Flowers is stuff. unbelievable. It, it was better today than last year. So that should give you some Was indication. It? Yeah, well, I mean, high bar. They were, they um, were high garbage. Did like. you see the the clip of Eric Flowers trying to block? I don't know. Was it Clyde Campbell or something? He gets called for tripping because he gets beat, and he just have you ever tried to his block leg? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an offensive lineman. Um, I just think that's like the Barkley we're gonna see. I think there's gonna be games where like he averages two and a half yards a carry, and then he just busts out a long run. And I think that like you kind of have to make your peace with it as a Barkley owner. And like what you're drafting is what he did on that run, and like. It won't surprise me if he keeps doing stuff like that. Not a great stretch of games at Cowboys, at Texans. Saints at home is pretty good. At Panthers, Eagles at home, at Falcons. Those are some pretty good, decent defenses. I mean, I, could, I don't know. I'm not saying you should sell high on Saquon Barkley. I'm just saying. Well, here, let me say this real quick. Um, sure. The Jaguars defense last year, the run defense, was garbage. They were terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. they were top one or two. Until, they, they, until they brought Marcel Darius in. Fair enough, but I mean the the whole thing about the Giants offseason was bolster the offensive line, get Saquon, uh, Odell's healthy. You have Evan Ingram and Sterling uh, Shepard, and Eli will magically play better. Turns out Eli's still a big turd, and he had a terrible <laughs> game. So I mean I think that had a lot to do with Saquon's struggles because they knew that basically Eli Manning was was Andrew Luck with no arms. So uh, that's a problem for the Giants who didn't take a quarterback with number two, the number two pick. They cut uh, Sean's favorite player, Davis Webb. So, you know, they might be in trouble. I think I picked the Giants to win the division, so I might be in trouble too. But you're like the only one shocked that they are in trouble. I feel like everyone else, when the Giants selected Saquon Barkley, it's like they have no one else except Odell. Why are they drafting Saquon Barkley? Like You should be able to win with Eli. You, you should be able to win with 37-year-old Eli. I don't think you should be able to win 37-year-old Eli. Like, I, I mean, think... you better be if you if you skip Sam Darnold. If you don't draft Sam Darnold and you take Saquon Barkley, you well, better. Well, yeah, I think it was a huge mistake. And I think, like, I at least a lot of people, I think, were saying that back on draft day. That, yeah. Like, they, they were foolish to go in with the core they had. And they had a great chance to take a quarterback and just punt on the year. And they took a running back. And, like, they're not in a position where a running back is suddenly going to elevate them to being a playoff team. 
No disagreement here. Where do you stand, Breach, on the uh, NFC East after one week of play? We talked about the Cowboys and how bad they looked offensively. Um, the you know the Eagles, of course, won that game in Atlanta, but didn't look great. The you know yeah the the Giants sort of looked like hot garbage at home, but then the Redskins, my Redskins, went on the road and dominated the Cardinals. Man, I love the Redskins not as much as you, Brenton. I did not pick them to win the division. But, you know, I had the Cowboys win the division. I had the Eagles and Redskins tying for second at 9-7. and seven. Uh, And the Redskins just, I mean, they dominate. I don't think anyone saw that kind of dominance coming. I think, you know, a lot of people picked the Redskins. I think you and I both picked the Redskins. I thought it would be a close game. I didn't think Adrian Peterson at 33 years old was going to run all over the Cardinals like a rookie. I didn't think that Alex Smith was just, you know, it was just, all these old guys for the Redskins, can they last the whole season? I don't know. But if they keep playing like that, the Redskins are going to keep winning. So I'd say right now, if I had to re-rank that division, <clears throat> I would take my division winner, Cowboys, probably put them in third, put the <laughs> Eagles in first, the Redskins in second, and the Giants in last. That would be That is the actual order of how the division— What's the over-under on, on Adrian Peterson's total rushing yards this year? 4,000, because that's how many he's going to get. <laughs> so Adrian Peterson, 26 carries, 96 yards, one touchdown. He also had— Two catches for 70 yards. This is going to be an outlier. If you've got Adrian Peterson in fantasy, trade him. Don't – I mean, look. look that, sell that's, high. Yeah, sell high is the smart move here. I'll tell you who you don't sell high on, though. Alex Smith. 21 of 30, 255 yards and two touchdowns passing. He was 17 of 20 for uh, 175 maybe at halftime. This is the guy that Ryan Wilson joked about on this podcast, his potential MVP candidate. Not a joke. Right, but then you picked the Redskins to finish last in the division. You should have. Eli screwed me. Yeah, you did. You pick the. You were like Alex Smith will be MVP, and then you picked the Giants to win the division. That's just well. A, that's after Darius guys got hurt because I thought that would blow up their whole offensive pl- game plan because they have no one to throw the ball to. Jordan Reed is magically healthy all of a sudden. Adrian Peterson ran for 400 yards today. I can't imagine he's going to run for 600 yards this year. If we're speaking honestly, he's 33. He he. Every if he plays every eight months, he's unstoppable. <laughs> I t- I'll say, all right, over under 750 yards, Sean. Under. Ryan? Under. John? Under, yes. Way over. I'd say eight, <laughs> eight, 850. Way um, over. 100 yards over. Yeah, that's not way over prices, right? <laughs> yeah, it's 100 yards is way over. It's 15% over. That's pretty good. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brinson. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually like well, what, are you, what are you picking, Brinson? I'll take the over because he's at 96 already. Like, he's going to get to 750. Uh, they got a, they got a schedule. They can win. They're going to win eight or nine, maybe 10 games. I think the they Eagles, play the Colts next week. Adrian Peterson might hit 700 in that game alone. Oh, okay, that's true. By I the didn't way, realize they play the Colts. By the way, one guy in that Colts Bengals game that I didn't talk about that we should have mentioned, I just want to quickly point out that Joe Mixon is a stud and he's going to have a huge year. And I wish I'd invested. Uh, uh, more into Joe Mixon. I believe we only have one more game. No, two more games to cover. Seattle at Denver. The Broncos won 27-24. Doug Baldwin leaves with a sprained MCL in his other knee. So good news, he didn't injure. He didn't re-injure the same knee. Bad news is he's got two bad knees. So that's a classic good news, bad news situation for Doug Baldwin. Uh, where are you at, Breach, in terms of worrying about the Seahawks at this point? And uh, do you think anyone who picked them to win the division is a moron? Uh, you know that feeling you get when your plane starts to like crash? That's no, how I no, feel. I, I don't. But how does it feel? <laughs> it's not a good feeling. You think it's all over. Uh, that is what I have with the Seahawks right now. Like that team had one huge problem that we all, everyone in the world, knew about. If you follow football, you knew the Seahawks' biggest issue was their offensive line this offseason, right? 
So what happens in the first game of the season? Russell Wilson gets sacked six times. I mean, their offensive line couldn't have it. I didn't think it could get worse from last season, but somehow it did. And of course, they went up against the Broncos, who have this unbelievable defense. But it, it was the same thing you said about Tyrod Taylor. If Russell Wilson is getting beat up like that all season, and he's an amazing athlete and he never gets hurt, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy the whole time. So, I'm, and, and they have to play the Bears next Monday. So they're going to go from the Broncos to the Bears. And Russell Wilson's just going to get more beat up. He doesn't have any receivers with Doug Baldwin out. I just don't know how this team, uh, you know, I thought they were going to win nine or ten games. And after watching this one, I am not so sure that's going to happen. Bears, Cowboys, Cardinals, Rams, Raiders before their week seven bye. That's some winnable games. They have to stack wins now, though. I mean, like, this wasn't a game that I thought that they were going to win throughout the whole game. Um, I picked the Broncos to win, but they got they got to they got to win. I don't know three of these next few games. Broncos defense looked excellent. Uh, Ryan, we'll we'll get out of here on this talking about the real MVP, Joe Flacco, and uh, my man Joe Flacco, Joey Flax. Bro Flacco, Bro Cephas Flacco, uh, beat the Buffalo Bills 47-3. to They should have skunked him. Did Sean McDermott, that coward, coward from William & Mary, kicked a field goal down 40 to nothing. Get out of here, you <laughs> coward. Go for it in the red zone with your rookie quarterback. Uh, uh-huh. Is this more about the Ravens being great, as in greater than the Steelers, or is this more about the Bills being bad? Everything about the Bills. I, I mean – it was hard to envision a, a scenario where the Bills w- were even going to be competitive in this game. Sean McDermott, for reasons that remain unknown, con- uh, continues to trot out Nathan Peterman. Last year in November, <laughs> he threw five picks in, in 30 minutes in his, in his debut. Uh, this year, he play, uh, th- he started on, on uh, Sunday. He got pulled after halftime, but it was 40 to nothing when he got pulled. He was absolutely terrible. They brought in Josh Allen. He wasn't much better, but at that point, they were playing the scrub. It was like a preseason game at that point. I don't know why you draft Josh Allen. I understand the schedule is really tough for the Bills, but you draft this guy. You trade up from the 20s to 12 to number seven to get Josh Allen. You get rid of A.J. McCarron, who by any measure has to be better than Nathan Peterman. He cannot be worse than Nathan Peterman, <laughs> even if he goes out there and just lays down like John Beck and planks the whole time. I don't know. I, I just don't know what Nathan Peterson uh, Peterman has going for, for Sean McDermott to even consider it. And he wouldn't even commit to, to cutting Peterman after the game because I have to watch the tape. I don't know what tape he's watching that will tell him anything different than what the television broadcast was. But so uh, they'll probably trot Peterman back out there again. He'll take another whooping. They'll have to bring in Josh Allen, and this will be Groundhog Day for 16, 16 more weeks. I've joked about, not joked, I, I've seriously said that the Raven, the uh, the Raiders, excuse me, could go winless this year. I think John Gruden's a clown, and I think their schedule is relatively tough. The Bills will challenge him for the number one overall pick. And I'm actually thinking if the Bills have the number one overall pick, you might consider taking a quarterback because I don't know if Josh Allen's that guy. Jeez. Mm, uh, what do you think about Flacco there, uh, uh, Breach? <laughs> I care about the I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, I thought Flacco was looked lean and healthy and motivated and moved around He was well. playing a scrimmage. This, uh, this, this, He's go a team there. with no quarterback. You got to go out there and win the game. He, I mean, he threw the ball well. He utilized his wide receivers. Uh, Willie Sneed caught a touchdown pass. John Brown caught a touchdown pass. Michael Crabtree caught a touchdown pass. Those are their three big offseason additions. It's the best wide receiver group he's had in a long time. They didn't run the ball particularly well, but I think Alex Collins will start to run it a little bit better against uh, better defenses. And look, even with that Jimmy it Smith. It was 40 to nothing. They, the Bills averaged 2.5 yards per play. 
That's insane. 2.5 <laughs> yards per play. By the way, quickly, here from NFL Research. Bill's quarterback, Nathan Peterman, has made three career starts, but has yet to finish a game. He has now been benched <laughs> twice and left another game due to injury. <laughs> NFL Research is being mean this week. I, some of that. I think the crazy thing with uh, the Ravens is, like, if you would have told me before this game started that Joe Flacco was being benched in the second half, I would have thought a total <laughs> meltdown was about to happen in Baltimore. I would have thought the season was imploding in week one, and I would have just, you know, Rome is burning. That is would have been the Ravens uh, with you telling me that. But no, this is this was amazing to watch. I don't even know who is this Flacco. This is playoff Flacco. So all of a sudden he gets a little competition, Lamar Jackson, and now we're going to see playoff Flacco for a whole regular season. But, you know, as Wilson said, this is the Bills. It's like a scrimmage. The Bills are horrible. So how much does this really mean? He's got to turn around playing four days on Thursday night against the Bengals. So if he throws three touchdown passes and is on the bench with a 40 nothing lead in the second half in that game, then I'm a believer. Hey, John, let me ask you quickly. You've seen a lot of A.J. McCarron. Is there any way possible on planet Earth that he is worse than Nathan Peterman? I mean, you know, you know how everybody feels about Andy Dalton. A.J. Mayer. McCarron couldn't beat out Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, if I had to go with Andy Dalton as the Bengals quarterback, a turtle or AJ McCarron, I would seriously <laughs> give consideration to the turtle. Like that. That's this how is I a mean podcast. <laughs> this is love a vote of confidence for Nathan Peter. <laughs> that's the way I see the AJ McCarron quote I mean, from like a few days ago. Yes, yeah, Sean, I was about to bring that up because that is, I think McCarron actually feels that way about every team's offense, whether he knows it or not. What did he so say? They, they, they asked him about like how he's learning the playbook and if he has to play um, for the Raiders. And his the beginning of his quote was, God forbid I get in there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. That's a good it's, it's God forbid I get in there. This AJ McCarron is an unbelievable quote. I mean, like at the combine, he's like, I'm basically Tom Brady. If I had to compare myself to somebody, it'd be Tom Brady. Uh, and now he says, God forbid I get in there. All right. Um, speaking of McCarron, his team is playing on Monday night. Raiders and the Rams is the second game. First game up. Uh, take a pick, Breach. You got Lions minus... Six and a half at home against the Jets. Who you got? I'm going to take the Lions and the spread. The Lions, I think, are five and uh, they have a great opening week record. They're always in sync that opening week because Matthew Stafford knows exactly what he's doing on offense. And they're averaging like 34 points per game in week one over the past five years. I think they're just going to blow the Jets out of the water because Sam Darnold is making his first start. He's not going to know what's going on. It's on the road in prime time. It's going to be ugly. Mm, who you got, Ryan? You got the Jets. And, and the wow. Rams. Sam Darnold, number one. I mean, you got to go with the ginger. Number two, Matt Patricia. I don't think he has a hold on that team. I think uh, sort of the, the Bill Belichick effect. You come away from New England and you're no longer the coach you thought you were. Their defense hasn't been good in preseason. And um, I don't want to spoil this, but you're the only maniac taking, taking the Raiders uh, uh, among all the CBS Sports experts. There's no way I'm taking that hot garbage team against, against the Rams. Gonna win. Rams are going to win by 50. I'm the only one taking the Raiders to win, right? Yeah, I got the Raiders to win outright, baby. Uh, Sean, who you got? I'll explain why I got the Raiders in just a second. Um, I, I have the lines like them. Um, the, the one thing that concerns me about what, what's the spread six and a half mm-hmm. um, worries me is that the Lions always seem to play close games. So, like, it wouldn't shock me if it's just a close game because the Lions always kind of seem to play up or down to their competition. Um, and then I and then I have the Rams because I don't understand how anyone could take one of the worst teams in the league against one of the best teams in the league. Um, it just makes no sense. Let me tell you it, something. Your your reason is weird things happen on Monday nights, which is like, oh, you got me there. Like, 
That's it, right? It's, yeah. That's yeah. Well, first of all, look, I'm taking the Jets to uh, – I think I'm taking – no, I'm taking the Lions to win and the Jets to cover. Big game from Robbie Anderson. I know Stephen O at Sportsline is projecting large things for old Robbie A. And uh, Robbie's, Robbie's a good name. I don't, I, uh, Robbie with an IE is preferable to a Robbie with a Y, but that's fine. Uh, no stage is too big for Sam Darnold except for the uh, 2017 Cotton Bowl. And I think he shows up well and competes with the Lions. They pull it off. And then the reason, Sean, I'm taking the Raiders – is that not only do weird things happen on late on Monday nights, and I'll remind you that Jeff Fisher, uh, that the that the the fact that I think the Raiders, no, who once beat the who beat the Chip Kelly's 49ers, the two win team beat the Rams like twenty four to nothing late on Monday night. One time on Monday night, Jim Tom Sula's team beat uh, uh, Mike Zimmer's Vikings twenty to three in that weird late night game. Anything can happen, and now. John Gruden can galvanize his team and say, look, guys, did you see what happened to the, the clowns who traded for Cleo Mack? You see what happened to this team? I think, I think the, the locker room's like, did you see what Cleo Mack did in that first half and what we could have on Monday night? I think that's the reaction. Yeah, they're like, hey, did you see what happened in the second half? That's basically us, and we don't have Cleo Mack, so don't worry about it. Uh, I think that the uh, I think that the weird stuff's going to happen. I think the Raiders are going to win the first game, and then that will be the only game that the Raiders win all season is that first opening game uh, late against the Rams. I will take the Raiders to win for no apparent reason. The Raiders are plus four and a half. I, uh, look, don't have to trust me. I'm just eight, five, and one against the spread. Uh, Ryan Wilson, also eight, five, and one. Job reach two. The only person below 500 this week. Oh, no, that's straight up, excuse me. But uh, lock it for us, six, seven, and one. But you get the point. Anyway, um, let's get out of here. This has been a long podcast. Thanks for hanging out tonight, guys, at Sean J. Wagner on Twitter. Appreciate you uh, calling in for the Bears thing and sticking around. At John Breach on Twitter. And, of course, at Ryan Wilson underscore 07 on Twitter. I'm Will Brinson. We'll be back on Tuesday. 